Are you finding that your loved one isn't the person you thought they were in the beginning? You fell fast, and now you're falling hard, and hoping the person you first met will catch you. But that person is gone, and they never existed. Like our parents growing up, we picture that dynamic of love that we crave, that close relationship, that will never be. And you're just met with more and more abuse. Do you find yourself justifying behavior that you know is wrong? Like your partner calls you names, curses you out, but you equate to just his childhood. You explain away that he went through pain, and that just explains it all, and it's okay. His behavior is okay. I felt called to cover this topic due to seeing it as an issue going on right now with COVID-19. You barely see it said, but toxic childhood equals toxic relationships growing up. In childhood, you learned a certain frequency energy field was your safety. It doesn't mean your childhood was safe, but it takes work not to choose your unsafe home over and over again in the arms of an abuser. Whether that's an alcoholic mother or father that you don't realize you're looking for in any other unhealthy dynamic in your life. We'll be discussing trauma bonding and love bombing. Let's talk about trauma bonding. Trauma bonding is also known as Stockholm Syndrome. Trauma bond is a term created by Patrick Carnes. It refers to the misuse of fear, excitement, and sexual feelings to control and manipulate someone. It's a cycle of intense love in periods of abuse, neglect, and mistreatment. This intermittent up and down relationship is being used to move our nervous system up and down. It's as if a reset button is hit again and again, but inside you know this relationship is destroying you. Your survival brain switches on, your fight or flight. Why do people stay in these devaluing and self-deprecating relationships? Because the survival brain kicks on and says, don't fight. It'll all be over soon. We'll be fine. We're going to survive. We're still going to be alive at the end of this. Fear shuts off the logical part of your brain. That's why the person isn't making logical decisions. You're going with your reptilian brain. Your survival brain is concerned with surviving right now, not what trauma this could create for you. According to Pace, Parents Against Child Exploitation. The more a person responds passively enduring it, the more likely this will become their automatic response when confronted with fear or sexual violence in the future. This kick-on switch doesn't just happen. This is something learned in childhood. This cycle of devaluing and rewarding constantly over and over again leads to a strong chemical and hormonal bond between the victim and the abuser. It's as if a spell is put upon you you know you need to leave, but you fear what could happen to him if you do. You feel like the oxygen that keeps this person going. It can feel like there is a leash they pull on you or a fishing pole and you're on the end of it and they're reeling you back in when you're trying to go. Even when the victim discloses to a friend or family what's going on, they can't help but want comfort from the person who hurt them because there's a deep traumatic bond that is similar to their childhood one that they had with a parent. It could have been an alcoholic, could have been abusive. It feels magnetic when you're in it. You can leave, but these abusers are like hunters. They know your weakness and they prey on it. They will love bomb you. This is why it's important to work on your, on your vulnerabilities, your insecurities before dating and find the security within yourself so you don't outsource it and find out your relationship is really a hostage situation and you're the hostage. If you're insecure about looks, whatever you crave, they fulfill it to be in control, to be the provider, like a parent. 
the person who nurtures you. You lock your security in this person and give more and more of yourself energetically, becoming drained more and more. And within time, your health goes. Your relationships around you go. And you find that you and this one person are all you have. Not many victims will admit this, but leaving felt like dying. I left a really abusive relationship five years ago, and it felt like I was dying. It's like a detox. This up and down that's created, it is like quitting drugs for people. Like every toxic song out there that Leanne Rhymes has sang, well, there's one in mind. How can I live without you? How can I ever, ever survive? That's toxic. You're perfectly capable on your own. Subconsciously, we search for our parents while dating. We have this beautiful vision of what love could be. But our internal anchoring as a child is set to a certain setting. Before my marriage, there was a lot of bad apples. I chose relationships where I was looking for proof of my worth. I'd tell him who I was and he would doubt me. Who knew me better than me? The issue was I wasn't saying I know who I am and walking away. I was trying to prove I was a good girl. Like a child in school using grades to prove I was a good girl. I wanted someone to hold space for me as the amazing woman I was. The one that I had become. Like she was never ever given space to exist before. Especially growing up in the childhood that I had. Where love wasn't just given, it was earned. I wanted that space held for me. The problem is... I never even gave myself that space to realize being me as acceptable and safe. Over and over, I found my mother's arms replaced by the arms of another man and another and another. And I thought I was, I thought it was it, real love. But it was like Scooby-Doo. I was pulling off masks to discover no one was who I thought they were because I jumped way too quick. I couldn't stand the one person I loved who didn't see me as me. I was reliving my childhood of accusations of being anything but who I wanted to be. Damn Gavin DeGraw song in my head now. I'd sing it, but the damn royalties. I was once again dedicated to someone who didn't love me for who I was and was living in an alternative reality. He doubted me because he wasn't true to me. He wasn't just, he was cheating. And when I found proof, he turned it on me as the cheater. I thought I could lawyer him out those of you that are familiar with how I met your mother, his opinion, but he wouldn't budge. I collected all the evidence. I wasn't a cheater and nothing. I was the one that caught him because he left it open on my computer. Even when I hung out with only female friends, I was accused of being out with a guy. Even when I was home and I decided to no longer go out just to keep him happy, I was still accused of not being home. And when I was willing to give him proof of the video chat or anything else, I was a liar. I dropped everything for him. This is something that needs to be understood about toxic dynamics when you're growing up. Your parent wants to be the focal point. You want to have friends, they're not okay with it. They make up all these different things of all these possibilities that could happen, of you being unsafe and all these other things because they want to be your world, your sun. They pretty much had kids to orbit and go around them and to worship them. When I started dating and wanted to do Thanksgiving at my boyfriend's, my mom was telling me that I was tearing the family apart by doing that. I felt like I couldn't date anyone with a healthy dynamic because then I would have to create a balance between families and she wasn't willing. I had to date people with broken families with no parents, with no one around them that loved them. Ultimately, someone like me. I had the mirage image of family, but I was deeply alone. And at an early age, I was told by my mother that if I told anyone of anything that went on at home, I would be taken away. And do I really want that? That's when I learned that we ignore the bad things in a relationship and we don't talk about it and we just let it go and allow it.
and move on. And you cannot have that toxic dynamic. So then you find yourself dropping everything for that one person. Maybe you find that you feel like you have to focus on one thing only and drop everything else. There's so many ways that this shows up in your life. When you have this toxic dynamic, you don't know how to be for yourself and for others. You feel like you can only do one. So you're always giving to others because you feel like if you give to yourself, then you're selfish and you have this back and forth, back and forth. What is important more? When the truth is that both are important, you have to establish some balance. But when you don't have an example of that, you don't know how to do it. The key thing is that we bonded over shared trauma. It's a mixture of the past trauma and the current trauma. I would talk about my old relationships and he would relate too. He would key into whatever those things were and he would use it later against me. I didn't realize it, but he was creating a huge case file of all my insecurities for later so that he could keep me tied with those. Being doubted when I say who I am felt familiar. I was dating my inner doubt, the voice I heard as a child doubting me, my parents. The inner child was triggered to prove she was a good girl. She tried so hard to be the good girl. And when you grow up going to church and you hear honor your mother and father, which is a hard concept when your father and mother don't honor you or respect you. And then you go on to create these dating dynamics over and over again from your parents. It took years to feel okay wearing heels and a dress again. I used to wear sweatpants to make sure that my boyfriend wouldn't feel insecure about me looking good. Because one day I left heels and a dress in my car for after the gym so I could shower there and we can go on a date and we have like a fun time. Well, he decided to call me a slut because I had those in the back of my car. So obviously I was going somewhere with someone else. Um, what? Unfortunately, he is the same dynamic that I have with my mother and she would respond with the same thing. So are you a slut? It broke my heart. And I learned then I had no mother, I had no nurturer. I had to nurture myself. That nurturer I was looking for was never going to be there, and I had to be that person. I started to question if I was a good girl. I started staying at home to prove him wrong, but he still called me a slut and accused me of cheating. I felt like I had to prove I wasn't one. No matter how many times I said the outfits in my car are for our date later, he was convinced of his reality. It was like he lived in another world. Like at any second, mine would collapse and I'd realize that I was in prison, that I'd allowed myself to be in, in his arms, and I thought I was safe. Those arms would hurt me. I was walking on eggshells. I made sure to keep my clothes out of view in my vehicle so he wouldn't judge me or be set off. I did everything I could to closely monitor all of his triggers. I was an expert on this. I became an expert on this. Like, I grew up doing this. I grew up making sure there were no triggers around, that there were no minds that could go off. When you grow up in a household with a narcissist, you learn how to people watch early on to make sure that my parents wouldn't be triggered. I made sure to wrap my childhood home in bubble wrap to keep my mother from getting hurt by stupid things, triggered into a time machine of emotions she never dealt with. I tried, but I could only do so much. There comes a point where you get sick of not being yourself. A friend warned me if I didn't stop dating abusive men, it was going to get worse and worse and worse as I chose to stay. I didn't listen. I stayed in relationships where I fought for my worth to be seen until I had enough. 
I discovered I didn't need a man to choose me and see me. I didn't need a man to know who I am. I needed to. I wanted safety. I trusted him with that, and I found myself in danger. I walked away choosing myself once the trauma bond broke. We often look for what we can provide ourselves with in other people. You have the power within you to create your own safety, your own approval. Hell yes to me. I choose me always. It's not easy to choose you if you grew up walking on eggshells. If you grew up with drama, it can feel like home in the arms of an abuser. The approval we seek is within. Yes, the relationship with our children is not just for us as a parent, but setting up how our kids allow the world to treat them. I feel like parents are taught too much to keep their children away from them. We say babies are needy. When a baby can't manipulate, they come into this world helpless, but we're being told not to help them. We never ask ourselves, how would I feel if I was crying, bawling, hurt around people and no one would comfort me? Everyone is ignoring me. How would I feel? That's how a child, a baby feels. What if you were crying in front of me and I told you to stop manipulating me? To stop trying to trick me with your crying? When you're just deeply, deeply, truly feeling into something that bothers you, When we don't comfort a child, we never show them that things can get better. We're showing them that the world is a hurtful place, and once you hurt, you hurt some more. To not create healthy bonds early on. Yes, later on, watch out for that manipulation. Kids can try to trick you. They're very good business little people. A newborn isn't trying to be in control. They need to know who is there for them. A baby is born helpless. Stop ignoring it. We teach way too early the world is unreliable. We have a chance in the womb and out to show the world we'll catch our child. And then we have bad habits passed down by ancestors, like abandonment is one. It's not just our relationship with our child that matters, but what we show with our partner and with ourselves all set the basis. So why did I stay and why does anyone else stay in an unhealthy relationship dynamic? Part of it is it feels like home. Feels like what you grew up with. You know it. It feels safe, even though you know it's not. The other is trauma bonding. I love the definition from Psych Central. Let's go into it again. It's loyalty to someone who is destructive. So, what are the key ingredients to trauma bonding? The person doesn't give value, but they always take value from you, making sure to devalue you. And this is something I love from Psych Central. It's signs of trauma bonding. I'm going to be adding to it as well with some of my own signs that I noticed. There is a constant pattern of non-performance, yet you continue to believe promises to the contrary. Others seem disturbed by something that has happened to you or was said to you, and you are not. You feel stuck because the other person keeps doing destructive things, but you believe there is nothing you can do about it. You try to change the person into becoming less destructive, by trying to get them to stop an addiction or to become a non-abuser. You keep having repetitive, damaging fights with this person that nobody wins. You seem unable to detach from someone even though you can't trust them or really don't even like them. When you try to leave this person, you find yourself missing them to the point of longing that is so awful that you believe it is going to destroy you. Trauma bonding can occur in any relationship, not just dating. You can have trauma bond with a parent who is promising you things always but is inconsistent. 
ever have a caregiver promise to change and go back to their old habits? For example, drinking or abusing you or someone else. Early on, when you have a parent who is unable to be accountable for themselves, this can cause you to find later in life that you are not able to be accountable for yourself. Also, you may have been the person who was accountable for your parents, and you're great at being accountable for everyone but you. I have to add the sign of a lack of boundaries in the relationship. A lack of consistency on not just their end, but ours to follow through with boundaries. We often believe we can save the person from going off the deep end. Love is not being someone's savior. Save a puppy. Buy a broken down car and fix it. Not a person. An unhealthy dynamic of trauma bonding in childhood can show up as you dating people who you parent, that you nurture. I'll also add, we find ourselves longing for the fake personality they showed us. Trauma bonds are relationships built on lies. Lies we tell our friends and families to allow us to stay in the relationship. The lies we tell ourselves that things will be normal again. It's brief. We'll go into the relationship cycle in a trauma bond situation also here. The lies we tell our partner as we monitor their triggers is a big one. Again, the lies that you tell your partner to monitor their triggers. Because you're in that minefield and you don't want to set anything off. I remember reading, I believe it was in France, there are still some mines that can be found from World War II that could possibly go off. It is the same type of situation with the person you're with. These are mines that were created in the past. It's also like having a bomb in front of you and making sure that you don't snip the wrong wire and cause an explosion of anger. There are three significant relationships that you witness as a child that I really think that we need to work on nurturing before we have children. So as a child, you witness the relationship between you and your caregiver. There is a relationship your caregivers have with each other. And then there's a relationship your caregivers have with themselves. It is really important to have that example of taking me time, of having space in your life with a parent growing up. And if you don't have it, then you won't know how to have boundaries. Your parent has to have boundaries with you. The relationship your caregiver has with the other caregiver. So let's say that you have a mom and dad. So their relationship is going to be something that you are going to try to mimic from your subconscious mind, no matter how hard you try not to, you will be looking for that. It is something that you can work on rewiring for sure because plasticity of your brain but it's something you need to be aware of when you're dating, that you're going to look for that dynamic because it feels like home. And then there's the relationship between you and your caregiver. What is your relationship like with your mom or dad? What was it like growing up? These are things that are going to affect you with your relationships, whether you take that time for yourself, how loving a partner you pick, and then how loving you are towards each other and how loving of a partner you have towards him or herself. Relationships shouldn't feel like a ticking time bomb where you're constantly making sure not to pull the wrong wire, watching their triggers and making sure you baby-proofing everything, the bubble wrap or whatever else on it so that they don't hurt themselves with emotions that they never dealt with and blame you for. God forbid they get triggered. There's a cycle to abuse. Before we go into the cycle that we see in adults with trauma bonding, I want to go into the infant trauma cycle. First, we start off with baby has a need. Baby cries. Need not met by the caregiver. Then mistrust develops. 
It's not just mistrust with you, but it's mistrust with the world and the image of what God is like. So now I'm going to take a wheel that's created by Help for Adult Victims of Child Abuse. I love this wheel because it perfectly shows it. I actually used to teach healthy relationships and boundaries courses. So let's go into this now. So first off, the tension builds. Stress begins to grow from the pressures of daily life or other points of conflict. The victim may attempt to reduce tension by complying with the abuser. Next, the abusive incident. Verbal, emotional, physical, or sexual abuse occurs. This includes anger, intimidation, threats, and other forms of abuse. Then we go back into the honeymoon phase. The abuser apologizes, shows remorse, and often begs for forgiveness. They may shower the victim with love. This is called love bombing and affection and promise that the abuse will never happen again. They will do this many times. Calm. The relationship enters a period of calm where the abuse stops or slows. The abuser may continue to ask for forgiveness or make positive gestures, but these tend to reduce. The thing is, this doesn't happen once. The cycle happens again and again. I like to view this as more of a hurricane where you're going into the eye of the storm. So you're going to go from calm to storm to calm again. I put the honeymoon and the calm together in my own, my own version of this. Okay, so this is the thing. It becomes clockwork when you're dating someone in a trauma bond or you're trauma bonding with a parent. It becomes clockwork. You know when that person's going to be set off. It just You just know, and you're just waiting for it. It's like how animals know when the storm is going to come in, and they're so quiet. It's the same type of dynamic going on. It's insane. I have to add this in too. So this is something from themedium.com and I'll add in the research for it. On top of the crazy dynamics of abuse cycle, intermittent reinforcement and trauma bonding is also linked to a biochemical addiction in our brains. A rational reason that explains why the cyclical nature of the abuse and the push and pull phenomenon strengthens the bond in case of abuse. A potent mix of chemicals such as oxytocin, serotonin, dopamine, cortisol, and adrenaline are present in the case of lust and attraction. Helen Fisher pointed out that love activates the same areas of the brain that cocaine does, from the first ecstasy to the last bit of withdrawal symptoms. It is causing real addiction to make us want to come back for more, always more. One of these ingredients is dopamine. And it is especially guilty and causing trauma bonding, as it is even more activated if there are intermittent dosage and deprivation. Being imposed to danger, the lingering sensation of being at risk elevates the hormonal levels to a point where the feelings caused by the other can only be compared to drug use. If someone is experiencing trauma bonding with an emotional or physical abuser, the most important is to try to find the way back to reality. No matter how hard it is, the only way is always forward. Okay, so in the process of leaving, he's going to try and convince you that you're this awful person and you're going to want to try to prove and prove and prove that you're not awful. You got to let that go. The only way to get through, to get past it, and to heal is to leave your abuser. You have to change your phone number and block the person. You have to have strong boundaries you never had before in the relationship. You have to go cold turkey. It's going to feel like a detox from a drug, like heroin or something, like something heavy. You got to go cold turkey. It's going to feel like you're dying inside when you let them go because you're addicted. Just give it time. 
and have a support system around you. It's good to have someone in your life that you know can set you straight on what the true reality is, that it's not the reality he or she gave you. Your abuser comes back for the image, the proof that he isn't a bad person. That is the key thing. They want proof by you staying. Mine came back to try and get me to convince the court that I had lied about what had happened to me. They're going to come back and try to be seen as a good person by society again by going back to you and getting you to stay. It's entirely possible that you're both chasing the same thing, the label of being good. Well, if I'm with a good girl, I must be a good boy after all. So like, let's say you have a restraining order. They're going to try and try to get you to be around them. They'll apologize to you like crazy so that you will be around them and they won't have to accept the truth that they are an awful person. When you stay with your abuser, you release them of accountability, the one thing that was missing in your childhood. So being an empath, this is something I got as an intuitive download. Being an empath is something that is learned in childhood. So we talk about how we are able to energetically put ourselves in a situation where we can feel the emotions of other people in the room, feel the emotions of people all around us, that we are very able to read everything. That is something learned early on for survival. That's what being an empath is, is that you learn to survive. Now, the key thing is to move that into thriving. I will be going more into this in my next podcast because it's a huge download and I there's a lot of time to go into that more so. So how do we work with trauma bonding? First, you must be aware of the issue not trying to hide it or justify it, living completely in it and all the emotions that come with it. Some of us get stuck in awareness and end with it's my parents' fault. We have to take accountability for the current moment. What's happening can stop. We have to want it to. So you must become aware. First, you must have the awareness that there is a problem going on and you have to accept that it is there. And second, you have to understand the roots of the issue to really dive deep, discover what does this remind you of? Have I had this problem before? Going into those emotions that are trapped on replay, we're going to dive deep and understand the issue. We're gonna do research, we're gonna educate ourselves. We're gonna learn the signs. We're gonna compare and contrast our experience with what is known from the experts. Like reading about trauma bonding, listening to this podcast and being like, well, that sounds familiar. How is that familiar? Compare it, contrast it. Journal it out. And the truth is you cannot heal until you're not with that person. And during that inner child work, we are also learning about the cycle of abuse and why abusers are the way they are, the tactics they use so that we can spot it later on. But now third is choosing you, accountability, not settling and choosing to have all the best in your life. Healing. You realize that you have a choice and choose something different. So we're going from accepting that there is a problem, then we're exploring our inner child, and now we're taking accountability as an adult to prevent it from happening again. We're learning to nurture ourselves. We realize that we have the power to choose the energy around us. We ask ourselves, what do I need? And we figure out how we can provide it for ourselves rather than outsourcing to unreliable people. This is not an easy journey. We did that inner child work by exploring, now you're an adult. Now you have to be accountable for it, that you're not going to allow this shit to keep going on, that you're not going to, when you detect it, and you have an inner alarm that's going to go off, it's your intuition that's going to tell you that this feels like home, 
And that's not a good thing. And the truth is, would you want your best friend, your mother, your father, your sister, or brother to be in this relationship? If not, then you should probably not be in it. So another tip that works for me is be alone. Don't date. If you're going to date, then date yourself and learn to see those great qualities that you always look for in other people within you. Take that time to see the mirror of the relationship between you and a parent from when you were a child. How is it similar? What am I hoping this person will be accountable for? How am I not receiving the nurturing I hope for? How can I provide it for myself? I hope those tips were helpful, and I hope that all the information really helps you here and to know that you're not alone and that, yes, what you feel and what you see is all real and true, that you can trust yourself. Know that you can trust your inner compass, and it will guide you to your love, to your happiness, to your joy. So have an amazing morning. If you find yourself in this situation and you're looking for support, do reach out to me. I do coach in this, and I can help guide you to really trusting your inner compass if you're struggling with that. So we can set up an appointment and go from there and see if we are meant for each other as far as collaborating. So enjoy your morning.